0: Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. My guest today is founder and CEO of Ovio Organics, Anthea Kolaris. She's a naturopath, herbalist, author, and educator determined to make good health simple using hand-blended certified organic teas, liquid herbal tonics, and elixirs alongside refreshingly honest nutrition advice. Anthea has helped clients become well and happy for over 24 years. Hey, Anthea, it's so cool to have you in our Redfern recording studio today.
1: Thank you, Vince. I'm really happy to be
0: here. Um, what struck me when I got to know you, and uh, I think it was like just over maybe a year and a half, two years ago, um, was your incredible positive uh, outlook on life. And I guess when getting to know you, it kind of, it became quite clear that you are a naturopath. And I wonder, you know, how you how you how it all started for you.
1: I feel like I was born into the job, and I know that sounds really strange, but at the age of 12, I found a book called How to Get Well by Pavo Areola, and it was published in 1971 by a naturopathic physician, and it just... It just struck a chord with me. I read it all and I then thought I was this little healer. So I started growing herbs in the garden and made up my own conditions and would heal myself. Wow. And it's really strange at 12. At 12 I know it's true. I've still got the book. Um, and I made up all these diseases. So I'd make poultices and brews. Very witchy poo kind of things. Yeah. Um, my parents grew herbs, so it was a natural inclination. And, yeah, I just tended to the garden and then made things out of it.
0: Well, let's talk about your Greek your Greek background, your upbringing. Um, obviously, family is really big for you, important for you. Yeah. And looking after each other like that. Um, yeah. I, is it something that it was your mom and your, your father... That were inclined as well.
1: Mum and dad are. Um, dad was always very naturally inclined. We weren't allowed to have a microwave. We didn't have any junk food. If you went to McDonald's, you were considered quite wealthy. So my brother and I would cry. So we oh. always we would always eat really healthy, wholesome food. And I come from a Greek-Cypriot background, so a Mediterranean diet was very high on the agenda always. Yeah, it was a really simple clean, whole food lifestyle. That's mm. all I knew. I would look out and see what everyone else was eating. But, yeah, we ate different. I wanted to be like everyone else, but it's just the way it was. Um,
0: how, did, how did you go from 12 to today? I mean, how did you end up getting into... Uh, you now have your own OVO uh, organics uh, your products, your tea your tea range yeah. and your naturopathic um, clinic. Um, how did you get to that point?
1: So I... I was either going to be a naturopath or an architect, completely different things. I don't think I ever told you that, but I was... I was very creative. I did four unit maths and I did art and I was very creative and I wanted to explore that side of things. But the naturopathy as a career um, came to me when we met a family friend called Penelope Sash. And I thought, wow, the book I read when I was a kid and everything that I'd been doing up until I could until um, it was time to go to uni was everything that this lady Penelope Sash did. Mm. So I thought, so I started architecture after nine months, went straight into naturopathy. It was and then that that tough? It was, it was tough and then I thought, no, 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 I'm meant to be doing the thing that I really love which is helping wow. people heal. And so I worked for her while I was studying and she ran a small business and I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs at all. Mm. So I just learnt how to be a businesswoman through working for Penelope Sash and when I finished working with her I was ready to consult immediately I was just I knew the back end of things and it was just I just dove right in deep I just went into the history of herbal medicine and naturopathy and nutrition and it was like it was almost like having this past life experience this is what I do mm. and this is what I love
0: maybe for the listeners who don't know what naturopathy is is you can explain it yeah
1: so it's a natural therapy which addresses the underlying reason of why you feel the way you feel so we're always looking at the why through diet lifestyle so we value diet lifestyle and an environment as having this influencing factor on how you feel as a cause or, or a contributing factor to your disease state So that always, I always, because I was always very inquisitive and I always wanted to know why things were the way they were. Mm. And But I think the other thing what drove it was um, my, I grew up in a very strict Greek family household and I was told what to do and how to think. Mm. And so out of that grew this desire to speak my own mind. And, you know, naturopathy in those days was a bit fringe dwelling. There was hardly any practitioners around. So when I graduated, I was the... One of the only, only practitioners still practicing from the time I graduated, which is I've, uh, I've, I've been practicing for twenty five years now.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you're you working for Penelope. Yes. Uh, for how long? How long was that for?
1: Seven years. Wow.
0: So you learned how to do it.
1: Yeah. I mean, is she this something strict. you, could, you <laughs> learn at
0: university or you, you learn on the job?
1: You don't really learn small business skills until you start doing them, mm. and I watched her grow. Um, she she had a very similar setup to what I what I had when I first started, and I always thought, oh, am I going to end up being like Penelope, which is fantastic and great, but I wanted to g- grow a bigger business. I had a bigger business in mind. Mm. But I mean, she she taught me so much, so I acknowledge her because I was twenty to twenty three with my own clinic, and oh. Dad would always say, if you just stood still, you'd cost me less money, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is true, but. I was extremely ambitious. I yeah. just knew what it was going to look like, what it was going to be yeah.
0: and when you said that there was not many people doing what you were doing at that time, yeah was there not many people looking for what you were doing, or was the need there?
1: There was a need um, I think i think p I think because I worked for my mentor I knew how to run the business side of things. Um, I realised you can't just sit around waiting for patients to knock on your door, so quickly worked out that I'd position myself in a health food store or pharmacy and meet where patients would be, but I still ran my own clinic. And it was 10 years later that I decided to open up Ovio, the store, Mm -hmm. and this is pre-website, social media, and I knew that I needed, like, a, a space for people to come and find me and see me, and that's when I opened up a shop and again, no business plan, just because I thought I could and I did. And we were named back then, you know, one of the best health centers was Isn't
0: Glenmore Road? Paddington? It
1: was in Gurner Street, corner of Gurner and Cambridge Street. It was called... Um, out of the Earth Health and Beauty Clinic, Mm. and then it became Ovio, the organic lifestyle store.
0: So is that where the tea started as well?
1: Yeah, so Ah. when I worked for Penelope, I learned all about tea, but as a herbalist, you learn all about tea blending, because you learn all about ingredients. And it just, you know, naturally you make up blends for patients to remedy colic, wind, whatever it is, whatever the ailment is. It's a really easy medium. And I could source really good organic ingredients. And then we had a friend who had a cafe who said, can I put these in my cafe? And then that's how the wholesale business started. Right. Because you're snowboard. looking around Sydney,
0: you're in almost every cafe, restaurant I go into. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. But it's a beautiful, obviously beautiful product, beautiful brand. Uh, you didn't come to us; we went to someone else, which is fine. I know. And they did a great, they did a great yeah. job uh, for you. So it has high presence and certainly resonates well with people. Yeah. So you got two income streams, I guess. You got the tea, you got the and the naturopath, um, yeah. naturopathic. How do you say it? Naturopathic business.
1: Yeah, naturopathic, perfect. Um,
0: yeah. And you got a team of what? How many people work six, with you?
1: Six. At one time we had 18. What, the business what? kind of blew out. Yeah, we had um, investors who came in at a time which I thought, you know, we were ready to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and we needed cash to grow because we were growing. And But it wasn't the right path to take. So, you know, learned a few mm. things, had a few knocks.
0: So did you have, you know, uh, twice as number of customers at that time? Is that why you needed more people?
1: No. Was just, um, it was just, uh, it was, it's such an interesting phase of Ovio. I got to a point in its growth where I thought I couldn't do it anymore. I thought I didn't know how to run a business. And my mentors. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I still walk around like that, but yeah. I'm better at it now. But my mentors at the time were mostly males and I felt like I had to live up to their expectations. Mm. And I'm a female who cries like right. all the time. Not all the time. Don't do it now. Please. <laughs> I won't do it right now. But, you know, it was like man up, stop being so emotional in business. So I, I then thought, oh, really, I can't, I don't know how to grow this business anymore. Maybe someone else can. And that's when we invited um, people into the business who mm-hmm. put in cash and expertise. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I worked out really quickly, though. I do know I just had doubt and I had a lot of fear and I let that run the race.
0: That's, that's interesting you say that because I, I, I have that time and time again. As mm. much as I say, you know, trust yourself, trust your gut, go mm. with your instincts, et cetera, mm. there are times when I think, oh, my God, I can't do this. Or someone's going to be able to do it better than me.
1: Yeah.
0: Or I need someone. I just can't do it, so I need to employ someone to do it. Um, it's frustrating because actually what happens is uh, you do know internally how that you, you can do it. You know what's needed to be done. But you then second guess and you start doubting which puts you into a really kind of bad place because you lose your confidence, et cetera. I mean, how have you overcome
1: that? I think it got so bad that I was so out of body at the time. I was in so much doubt and fear. It was a real epiphany aha moment for me because I I think I'd questioned whether I was enough. I questioned whether I could do it, whether I was good enough to do it. And when I realised deep down, like, the agony of being in that space overtook me and I just thought, I can't mm. do this anymore. If this is what business is, to be in a constant state of turmoil and questioning and self-doubt, I don't want to do it and surely it's not this way. Mm. And it it wasn't until I was walking down Oxford Street and I ran into my meditation teacher, Tim Brown. And I've been, you know, I've been on the path of doing work on myself. It's part of the gig of being yeah, a practitioner, work course. on yourself.
0: I was going to ask you that question.
1: Yeah. So Let's come back to that. We will. So when Tim ran into me, I was like, I was just thinking of you, Tim. And he said, do you want to come and see me? And I said, yeah, I think I need to come and see you. I'm, I'm in a bit of strife here. And when I saw him, Tim said something really profound. He goes, you're a non-believer. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you don't really believe that you're capable, number one, or that um, something else is working through you. I said, what does that mean? He goes, you've got one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. And I didn't quite get it yet. And then he said, Anthea, we co-create this life. There is a spiritual consciousness within you that wants to lead, wants to co-create with you, and you're veiling it with fear and doubt and anxiety it's almost like you're separated from it and he said you know I want you to do something for me because I know you're doing all this work on yourself and you you know you read The Power of Now and Eckhart Tolle you do meditation consciousness um, but I want you to go wholeheartedly all the way in and believe that you have the tools that you do know and let it work through you so going in before you go out so being in a state of presence and stillness to meet that consciousness rather than being in a state of reaction and fear and anxiety. So, simply by believing and understanding that lay of the land, which is, I have a consciousness, I am consciousness, I'm a spiritual being, and I'm going to let that drive me, which is a space of stillness, presence, love, confidence, everything positive. And come from that space rather than from the space of fear and anger and every negative emotion. And when I practiced that, everything fell into place.
0: Was it an immediate change, or did you, did you say practice? Did you have to? Did yeah. you keep like screwing up? Did he keep slipping back into that doubt, or not?
1: It it does, but you can watch it. And I think it was quite immediately. It was quite an immediate thing that happened because I had been in that one foot in and one foot out. I was. I think I had operated the entire business through fear. I was able to create. So I'm able to manifest and create, which is fantastic. I have that skill. But it was always hard. And when I realised it didn't have to be so hard or I didn't want it to be so hard anymore, it was simply getting out of the fear. And the opposite of fear is being present, being into the state of what is reality state. Because the fear is an anxiety or worry about something that may or may not happen. Mm. and worries about stuff of the past, but neither exist. So I just stayed in what is, what is reality. My reality is I'm here today, and I make choices from a non-reactive state, from a a very loving, abundant, compassionate state, Mm -hmm. to myself and to others, and not make up stories, which is what you do when you're in a state of fear.
0: Yeah, thank God you bumped into Tim. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Where would you be now?
0: I mean, that was a, that, interesting because that was, seemed like the, that, was, that was a point of I can't do this anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: So does okay. it take people to get to that point of you hit a wall, you just can't go any further? Yeah. No, you didn't give up. Yeah. But you were probably in your mind thinking. Yeah. The, the, you know the the devil or the you know the what's it called? Yeah. <laughs> the dragon or whatever it might be it might yeah. be saying you know come on you can't do it you're not good yeah. enough
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the outside, no one would have it. known because, you know, you've got a what appears to be a successful business. But on the inside, you're running around with doubt and fear and anxiety. Am I doing it right? I Could I be doing it better? Is someone else doing it better than me? It's like you're having this constant out-of-body experience. Um
0: People are probably congratulating on a great business, what a yeah, great person you are you and all that stuff.
1: but you don't feel it on the inside yeah. because the fear takes over and the comparison. And it's and it really, what I worked out and, you know, back, you know, looking back at all the things that I've read, it's just an accumulated pain body. What Eckhart Tolle says is just all the negative emotions of the past and when you experience one negative thing, it's like, aha, there it is, yep, I know that, that must be true then.
0: So it reconfirms. Then. So it
1: reconfirms. So
0: how do you feel now? You must feel great.
1: I do. It's not that fear doesn't come up. It's just that I can see it and I can call it. Mm. I'm more in a state of presence and a non-reactive state. Um, It doesn't mean that I don't suffer or I don't experience fear or anxiety. It's just it's there, but it doesn't consume me.
0: And why is it there?
1: I think it's...
0: Why are we designed that way?
1: Yeah, I think that is the journey of life. I'm reading more and more about that. I think that's just the way it is because I think there's a deepening. So I think it's a few layers and I think Mm. quite a lot of layers to work through. So I see that as more of a – I'm deepening my, my connection to consciousness, my connection to presence. So I operate from that space. So I'm not operating out of comparison or competition. Everyone has their own purpose. What I'm trying to do is is my doing world, my outside world, my personality, Anthea, the Ovio business is a reflection of my inner world. And if that's chaotic, even though on the outside, yep, I'm manifesting, but am I to my full potential? That's great, mm. I can create, but am I to the full potential? I think now I'm in a momentum where I can really go for it mm. and really shine.
0: Well, a lot of people obviously... Listen to that inner voice or those doubts, and it stops them from stepping outside the comfort zone. Do you think we're we're born to be more content with what we have, or less less ambitious, or push through to a higher level of you know expectations and stress levels and all that? Because there's kind of like there's something keeping us in that place. Mm. You know, it's because when we push harder and we step out, we feel we have doubt, mm. we have uncertainty, we have higher levels of stress. I mean, it's not a great place to be when it's not right, is it? No. Um, so it's interesting how you manage to kind of, you, you naturally, there's that kind of that barrier, that ceiling that's kind of was keeping you down, but yeah. you manage to find a way of breaking through that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, how, do you, how do you maintain that? Obviously, you know, being a naturopath, you have a yeah. you know, a great kind of uh, perspective on the world and, and, and health and what you need to eat, et cetera. I mean, how do you do that for yourself?
1: Through meditation. Mm-hmm. So meditating um, twice a day through being in nature. I think then the, you know, being the practitioner, I'm accountable. So I'm accountable to my patients. I'm accountable to my business. I'm accountable to the message of the meal, of the business, which is healing the world one cup of tea at a time. So, mm-hmm. And the message of what heals you heals the world. Mm-hmm. So anything that I prescribe as a practitioner or anything that I take I see it as something that just brings me back to presence. Right. And the and what that what I mean by that is when we're in a state of fear and anxiety whether with disease or with a business issue that triggers the fight flight response. And that takes you out of harmony, takes the nervous system out of harmony, and it puts a lot of stress, inflammation, more susceptible to infections. There's a whole array of things that happen when we're in that state, whether it's an emotional cause, mental, nutritional deficiency. So, everything that I do really is to harmonize my nervous system back to what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our natural state of being. The opposite of fight, flight is called rest and digest. So, whether I'm out in nature, whether I'm chatting to someone, I'm I always check in. I go, where am I? Am I operating out of fear, or am I operating out of love, mm. or consciousness, whatever you want to call it, God, whatever you want to call it.
0: And with your your clients you've had over mm. the years, um, mm. has there been a common theme? Has there been like more cases of you know, is it is it stress? Is it imbalance? Nutrition? Mm. You probably, I'm not going to ask you to say anyone's name, but yeah. is, is there something there that's like reoccurring?
1: I think you know what it is. As practitioners, we'll all say the same. You attract the thing that you need to see for yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was a young naturopath in my early 20s, I, I I couldn't bear to see anyone with emotional disease or emotional imbalance because it's like I don't know how to deal with that mm-hmm. so don't come to me. So I would just see everyday things whether it's a UTI or a common cold, headaches, I could deal with that. Um, the more that I've evolved my own consciousness and the more I've grown and the more experience I have, I now get to see cancer. I get to see all the chronic illness because I, I think I can meet people where they're at in their pain and suffering and and take them on that journey, which is really getting their body aligned to health, which is according to natural law so aligned with nature um address their underlying causes contributing factors and really harmonize them so they come back to their consciousness come back to their knowing and coming come back to their trust that they know how to heal themselves because you know we get scared freaked out in business what about when you're given the diagnosis or prognosis of you're going to die in three months yeah then what do you do
0: wow i mean do people come to you because they've tried everything else and there's like a final...
1: Yeah, so sometimes they'll see those patients, sometimes they'll see those who just want complementary support. Um, I had something that happened to me. I think this was another aha that happened to me which helped in the business is when a good friend of mine was diagnosed with cancer, then um, my little doggy Maya was diagnosed with cancer all within three months and then my paw was diagnosed with cancer. And I'd been dealing with cancer for years but it was really close to home, Mm. and I realised, oh, this is something I've got to deal with, so how do I meet patients in this? I need to do work on this myself so I can really, really meet them. And the work was, which is bizarre, I got this message, which was get comfortable with death, Anthea, to get comfortable in life, Mm. because I I think I had a fear of death. Mm -hmm. So how do I meet other people's fear of death if I'm not comfortable with it? Mm. So So How did
0: you become comfortable with
1: it? Yeah, I think... I deepened my spiritual practice, which was I realised that we're both human and being. We have Mm. a physical form, the human form, and we're a spiritual being. And cultivating more of that, and I think that's the work I needed to do, which was clear I needed to do it in business, Mm. um, but also personally to be able to do the work of meeting patients in their pain and discomfort.
0: And do people follow through with your advice you know the stinky mm. herbs and stuff like that do you do that
1: yeah, they do they love their stinky little herbs <laughs> and what we mean by stinky <laughs> little herbs everyone is yeah. on the herbs that have been macerated so you have herbs in a tea form which is pleasant can be not so pleasant um but herbs that have been macerated and steeped in alcohol to give them a uh, concentration and, and preservation and mm. then you have little nips of it
0: mm. And it must be incredibly rewarding to see you know, people change or see people improve from their state.
1: Mm, it is. Um, and you also can't have an attachment to the outcome because it's their journey and I'm on their path to help remind them really of what they already know mm. about how to get healthy and well. Um, if you have an attachment to the outcome, then it's pure frustration because you think then if they do this, this, this and this um then they'll be healed but it's not for me to know that I'm just there to meet them where they're at and help them basically harmonize and get healthier so they can better deal with their discomfort ailment disease uh
0: you and you and Paul your partner a wonderful guy a uh, good friend as well um have been together a while as you said and um I mean, when I meet with you guys, you're constantly referring to a book you've read, a podcast, an event you've been at. I mean, what what's driving that? You guys are incredible in terms of your you, you share the same, I guess, the same desire to learn more, to know more how to live a better life and yeah. interesting people and perspectives. Is that something that you had naturally together when you first met or did it evolve over time?
1: I think it... We were both ready. I think, like everyone, you end up in back-to-back hideous relationships. And when I met Paul, I was not interested. I had met him. He was—he was actually seeing. He'd be happy to share this story. This isn't too personal, I hope. Um, he was seeing a, a psychotherapist that I knew really well that I had done work with, and as a partner. Um. No, no just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Yeah, Jesus. He's a serial no. uh, dater then? Yeah.
1: No, to sort out his mental stuff. Yeah. And because he was working on his stuff, I became interested because I was like... I. I'm doing my stuff, mm. so I'm taking care of my business. I want someone else to take care of their business mm-hmm. and then I can come together. I mean, that's the greatest thing. It's like what you'd want for a business leader, a business owner. I was the business leader and I to take care of their own business, their own crap, mm. and then they can lead. Same with a parent and then you can parent. So I think for me is otherwise we're going to come in and we're going to come in with this idea that you complete me, but I want it to be myself you know, complete myself before I entered a relationship. And because Paul yeah. was on that path, that was attractive to me at that age, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Rather than you you're going out with another potential patient, you know, like yeah. someone who you're gonna help kind of be better, Yeah. To, you know, even exactly. if they don't want it, you know, yeah. you sound like you're both completely aligned in that regard. Getting there. Um, she so spent a lot of time reading and listening and that how much time does that take
1: um i try to do it every day it's my it's my reminder of what i need to do which is come back to myself and not operate out of fear if you're raised in you know, an overprotective Greek family, you're brought up with fig. If you cross the road, you'll get run Mm. over. If you eat that, you'll get killed. (laughs) It's It's a Greek tragedy. So, you know, if you're raised that way, you're constantly looking at well how do I then feel safe and secure so anything that reminds me of that of presence of love of consciousness of what is the reality not something that may or may not happen or not being stressed or consumed by what has happened so I will read anything by Marianne Williamson who's running for president by the way, mm-hmm. 2020. Um, she wrote a book called A Return to Love, which changed my world. Um, mm. I really love A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I can keep reading that one. Um, I listen to Oprah Super Soul Sessions. I love who she interviews. Yeah, they're great. So good. So, and I listen to them to and fro from work, but I, it's, I have to, that's my medicine.
0: Well, it's interesting that, isn't it? Cause I mean, there, there's an abundance of content out there for us to yeah. You know, listen to and read etc and it, I mean obviously it does make a huge difference yeah. um, I mean, some people like I don't know sometimes I feel like I'm just winging it I don't necessarily I, I'd ask for a bump into people and talk to people but I don't spend I don't spend a huge amount of time reading books and um, yeah. I think a lot of people don't necessarily know where to go
1: yeah. you know
0: I think you guys are constantly referring have you Read this, have you seen this? And text and flick, you know, yeah. uh, content to me, which is which is really really cool. Yeah, um, how do you how do people go about kind of discovering this information or these these uh this content without knowing that?
1: Yeah, it's hard, that's isn't a strange it? question. It's well, it's hard, isn't it? Because people, oh, how do you know what to listen to? And I, I don't know, I've been listening to this stuff, I think because it's also part of what I do, it's the advice that I recommend. so... I'm sure. immersed in this world anyway. Mm-hmm. The naturopath looks at mind, body, spirit. We look at, we're looking at someone holistically. I think Paul's a better reader than me. I think he's much smarter than me, I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a really good reader. It's all perspective, really. I mean, mm-hmm. some people just know politics so well, whereas talk to me about politics and it's like, well, I know what I like and what I don't like, yeah. but that's yeah. as far as it goes.
0: You do a lot of um, talks, uh, entrepreneurial talks. You work with women in business, women in business events, is it? Yeah. Um, what What started that? Is that because of your successful woman in business yourself? I think so. <laughs> I, I think it's very a, obvious. I think
1: it's like, you know, Oh, she must know what she's doing. She's been doing Ovio since 2004 and practicing for over 25 years. She must know something. mm I always feel like a fraud, don't get me wrong. I feel like, what do I know? <laughs> but then that's just that little voice of yeah. doubt and I think, put that aside and come back to myself and it's like, hold on, I'm just gonna share my story.
0: How, what's the future look like? I mean, how how, what, how, how do you see this panning out?
1: I'm in the process of simplifying the business. I don't want to toggle anymore. I wanna slow everything right down and go deeper. Um, I don't believe we can multitask because I think we skim. We don't really get to fully experience and enjoy the the task or activity or get to know it as well. People look at me and think, how do I consult and run Ovio? Good, I've got good people, but it's hard. It's more than I want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I set out a business plan to be in this position. What do you do when you get here? You, you simplify and you think, what is it that I like doing what is it that i'm good at what is it that someone else can do Mm. so i'd like to um not be focused on manufacturing because that consumes a lot you know i was such a control freak over every single ingredient certified organic and i still am and will be but i don't have to be the only doesn't have to always go through my hands and my eyes Mm -hmm. i can trust other people to do quality control so, less of the day to day mm-hmm. minutiae, really.
0: What are the watch outs for people to stay away from? You know, anything that you, th- you see, it, see out there, an environment or food or yeah. drink or whatever it might be that yeah. people should just stay clear from?
1: You know, what's really good now is that all the information that I used to teach 20 years ago is everywhere, whereas when I used to teach mm. it, 25 years ago, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. And it was second nature to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then we would be saying avoid chemicals in Mm -hmm. food and lifestyle products, personal care products, laundry products, cleaning products, so a chemical-free way of being. But, you know, there wasn't the cleaning products that worked back then Mm -hmm. or the makeup that looked good back then. But right now you can get everything Mm -hmm. as chemical-free. So I think low-tox, chemical-free to me is number one in all aspects, whether it's food, whether it's cleaning, beauty, personal care, laundry care products, um, whole foods. I cook. I love cooking. I've always cooked. So seasonal food, local food, healthy plants, healthy animals, well-sourced, meaning healthy farming, organic practices, mm-hmm. so where there's less chemical inf- intervention, Um I think it's a, a considered way of being, but the real big no—what are the real big no-nos? I've never done drugs and I've never—I've never consumed alcohol to the point of binging. I can enjoy a drink, so anything that's quite toxic or highly chemicalized, I think, are the biggest no-nos in life. And then, and then it's all the things that impact the environment. So, less plastic, less waste. Mm. That's all. Part of the whole thing, because if we do that for the individual, then we're really doing it for the world, and it comes back to my mission: heal you, heal the world.
0: Do people take that to take that advice and act on it? I mean, do they they see in a, I mean, how quickly do they see a a change or a, a feeling, a, you yeah. know, better feeling.
1: I think it takes time. I meet people on at different stages of their health evolution. So some people are complete newbies; they're still eating margarine, you know, still might be eating junk food. Um, so they're what we call our real freshies that, you know, you, you start them on the journey. It's very exciting and other people have done and tried everything, but maybe their work is their spiritual work, their conscious work, because they can tick every single box, eating organic, drinking the right amount of water, going to bed early, but they're high as kites and anxious Mm. all day long because they've worked on perfecting one side, but not the whole I think when you're overstressed, overwhelmed, and in pain and uncomfortable or discomfort within your body, we choose the easy way. We choose convenience and totally understandable. Same with me. I'll distract myself. I'll take an easy option. I think what we need to do is put some space between our decisions and slow everything right down and take a breath and take stock and look at the way we're living, which is so reactive and by default and it's fear-based, it's like a ball in a pinball machine. You're just flying off, Mm. bouncing off the sides and we just need to come back to what is and it's like we're human beings Mm. and we need certain things for self-care and health care but we can either do it in a fear state or a loving, compassionate state because I see plenty of people who take care of their, their health through fear. Like if I don't do this, I'll get sick. If I don't eat that, I'll get cancer. Mm-hmm. It's same, same.
0: Um, you use social media a lot and um, in promoting your 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 work and your business. I mean, do you have a lot of people coming to you with, you know, saturation of technology and, and social media, for example? And how how would you, if there's, if a case it may not be, how do you how do you deal with that?
1: So explain what you mean. I
0: don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> no, i like was I'm just impressed peop- with
0: your social media posts. Oh, and thanks. And social media is obviously huge, but equally yeah. it's quite destructive yes. as well because okay. it's draining, it's yeah. never-ending. Yeah. It can create discontent.
1: Yeah. You know, I've tried a few different things with social media. We've given it away to some out- outsourced it, and they've never – I think my people, my community know it's not me. I, I always wonder how people get these enormous numbers and I got trapped into that. you know, how does someone have 700,000 followers and this and this and this and, this. and I, I don't think about any of that anymore. I just write what I want to write about. Um, I want to create more time to write more meaningful things that really count, um, but that's because I can't, but I'm in the process of untoggling, slowing things down. Mm. But isn't there something, I don't know if you've experienced it? this, when you're quite present and still in the moment, you're sitting under a tree, whatever it is, do you feel like time goes really slow? Yeah. And it feels really expansive and Mm. and really, I mean, that is awesome. That is the best feeling. Um, And that's what I want to be. That's the state I want to be in. I still think I can be efficient and effective, um, but I'm slowing it down. I'm not racing to do that, that, that. Mm. I want to do less and go in deep and learn more and really get to know stuff.
0: Does it mean reducing your shoe collection as well?
1: I didn't have a big shoe collection. I'm just
0: trying it to see. Are you
1: reducing everything (laughs) in your life? Um, It's creating space for things that bring me more joy and love. Um, So it might be adding more things in, in actual fact. And less of the stuff that I skim over. I mean,
0: do you think this this is kind of would feel like a luxury time? I mean, time and more space and mm. detoggling,
1: yeah. as you call it. Yeah.
0: I mean, is that is that because you got to a place so you can actually kind of slow it down, and, yeah. and there's more confidence, and there's more kind of people working with you, and there's yeah. more financial security, etc.
1: Yeah, I'm not there yet, but it's something that I'm trying to create in my everyday.
0: So how do you do it when you're kind of starting out? Remember, you know, you yeah. 25 years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you'd have to be busy and working yeah. and trying to find your way. I mean, how do, how do you kind of de-stress yeah. then?
1: I mean, gosh, I wish I knew, obviously, like everyone says, you wish you knew what you knew, know now back then. Um, I would have made maybe different choices. I would have been more in flow rather than always, you know, in that place of hardship and always hitting up against the war and always... Making mistakes unnecessarily. I mean, sure, we learn from our mistakes, but if you slow it all down and make better choices, you may mm-hmm. not have to suffer so much.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, we we caught up in New York at the end of last year, you, me, and Paul, uh, and spent some time together walking around the city. Yeah. Wonderful meals in Dante in Soho. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was so cool to see you and Paul, and certainly you with big eyes, excited <laughs> about the city.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, how does how do you see like a city like that which is like 20 plus million people? Yeah. Massive buildings, yeah. a lot of traffic, etc. How do you see uh that situation compared to here because if you look at Sydney it's, it's in Paddington.
1: Yeah. It's
0: far more it feels like more like a country village than than New York. And it how does. does how does that feel to you because you you're excited about New York? Yes. But in a way it kind of go, does it go against in the whole idea of detoggling yeah. slowing down yeah. nature and stuff Does, how do you yeah. how did you, that make you feel
1: well I know because I think we spoke about this over there because I I get really inspired like when I leave my everydays, when I'm even more inspired and I'm because I'm not um, caught up in the the day-to-day so then yeah my eyes are wide open and I see things what other people are doing and they're doing great things and it's I it inspires me I I, I think it stimulates all the creative juices and I love that there was um, so many people around and I love that there was people who are excelling and creating amazing products and and ways of doing things and I think you can when there's more people around to do that and I think it. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't like fast and excitement and I and I do and maybe that's something you do on holidays. I don't know what I'd be like if I was living there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I but I love it. I mean I mean the energy was extraordinary. As long as I'm I mean, I was happy, so I think it was a good thing. No. Um and, and same with being in Tokyo, I mean, millions of people, but no. it felt like there was a, a flow to it all. Again I'm on holiday, so I'm in a good mood
0: and in that environment you still have to kind of chill out create your own space yeah. I guess you meditate every day so that you do that yeah. naturally
1: but you know if I'm walking like you know we walked so much how many steps were we doing over 25,000 steps sometimes yeah, a day, yeah. and I'm when I'm on holidays I'm in the moment mm-hmm. so nothing feels stressful everything feels great I'm positive everything feels light and everything kind of just goes your way when you're in that space and state and I'm I'm observing without judgement and I'm yeah, I'm curious and I'm open to it all.
0: Well, it makes me kind of think about the situation where, you know, often people think that the grass is always greener. Like mm. somewhere else they'll be happier, somewhere else they'll mm. be healthier, somewhere else they'll be, more, you know, more satisfied, et cetera.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you advise people on that? Because, I mean, you must get people every day or walks of life coming in who yeah. are struggling in life Yeah. for whatever reason. How do you help them kind of? get centred to what you talk about, the detoggling, or the yeah. um, getting back to nature or getting getting yeah. focused or being aware of what's around them. How, how does that... Yeah. How do you advise that?
1: I think when people come to me, they've probably hit the wall like I had, and so they've had enough, and I just show them another way. And I think what helped me was just understanding the lay of the land, that we're more than just a physical being. And I, this sounds crazy because I'm not religious and I did not even like the word God and I still don't use the word God because I'm still getting comfortable with that. But mm. there is a presence that is inside of me that I recognize that in others that is really strong and that is way smarter, way more intelligent and way more loving and kind and that drives me. When I share with patients you know, my own personal experience, and when I can meet them in their pain, and when I say, you know, you don't have to be suffering, it's not, you don't have to be in a state of anxiety and worry, or be so attached to those thoughts mm. of anxiety and worry. And you can be this way, and this is the way to do that, is simply by being still and by being present and coming back to yourself. It's just an awareness. It's just an awareness of you're not your thoughts. It's an awareness.
0: But so when you do, you find. I mean, it's obviously, it yeah. seems easier to, you know, notice that in somebody. Correct. Uh, and you know, this is what they need to do, probably. Yeah. But how, how do they? How do you convince them, or how do you connect them with that, so they really own it? That they really yeah. go, you know, what you're right. Jeez, I didn't even see that. Yeah. I mean, what does it take to make that connection? Because it's not until you have that connection that you make change happen.
1: Yeah. It depends. I mean, when I'm in a consultation, I need to be as present as I can be and really listen and really meet that patient with where they're at as to why they've got that disease state. Is it stress that led to a whole bunch of decisions? So sometimes just validating and just really hearing a patient in that present state, something switches on, something happens It's not always. Sometimes it'll take a year. A patient will come back, they're coming back with the same thing. Mm. And it's like, what is it that you're not seeing that you need to do that's different so you don't keep doing the same thing, feeling the same thing, experiencing the same thing?
0: So do they deliberately resist it or or what's going on there?
1: Some do. I mean, how do you talk about spirituality and being to an atheist? So we talk about the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. You can either stay in a state of fight-flight or being the opposite, which is rest and digest, mm. the healing state. That's a part of your nervous system that helps operate healing.
0: Do you? Do you I mean, I, we ate a lot of restaurants in New York, so you were. I, I was going to ask a question: Are you quite critical of what people eat, or like you meet someone socially and you go, "Oh my god, hey Paul, that person, Jesus, they're, they're heading for uh, this. They're they're a disaster about to happen. They're toxic beings, <laughs> etc." Does that happen a lot?
1: No, not at all. <laughs> When I was a young naturopath, yeah, I'd be on my soapbox and I'd be like, I can't believe they think cornflakes is a vegetable (laughs) because it's corn, but it's actually not. It's a grain. So I'm far more accepting and realize people are really operating out of their own pain.
0: So you wouldn't say to me, hey, Vince, you know, we're caught up for a few breakfasts. You know what you should really cut back on the coffee, you know. If,
1: if <laughs> you, know. you came to me and you presented with symptoms, I'd say, would you ever consider, mm-hmm. let's try this. Um, yes, would I want everyone to be considerate of the earth and be eating well and not, you know, waste, throw out food and... Have everything wrapped in plastic? Could I, would I like to change it overnight? Absolutely. And do I want to shout it to the rooftop? Absolutely. Because, because hashtag climate change is there more to say. Mm-hmm. We're massive consumers, but why are we consuming? Because we're bored, we're distracted, we're unhappy. Mm-hmm. So we consume across the board and that contributes to ill health because we're not really addressing the why we're feeling the way we're feeling. We're, we're stuffing our faces and our bodies and our homes with stuff.
0: And we're talking about living for the now. I mean, a lot of us live for the future. One day I'll yes. be healthy, one day I'll be richer, one day I'll be more content.
1: I mean, there's so much more you wanna do with patients and clients. And the the big thing is, is no attachment to outcome. Um, you're just there to meet them where they're at on their journey. If they open up the door, and invite you in, then great. So sometimes, yeah, that's the frustration is you think I could do so much more with you, but maybe just that five minutes or an hour was enough to, you know, expand their mind and expand their hearts and to be open or curious and brave.
0: Mm. What I'm gonna add too is, uh, do you think you've designed your life?
1: I feel like I did. A long time ago, I created a bubble the LVO bubble, the LVO world, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really conscious that it was created out of that one foot in and one foot out. It was that Mm -hmm. still created it because I wanted freedom, so it was a bit of fear and anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working it out. I'm getting there minute by minute with that one.
0: Well it's been incredible listening to your story and you know it's it's so wonderful to meet people like you who are absolutely doing good in the world who are for yourself um, you know that constant journey but also for others and you can you're making a difference which is um, uh, spectacular we need more people like you out there. Oh thanks Vince
1: it's really nice. Thanks.
0: Thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective.